As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well respected. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Hello and welcome to a season preview edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. Ethan Strauss is in the starting lineup. Tim Kawakami's in the starting lineup. I'm in the starting lineup. Marcus Thompson's coming off the bench. He's, yeah, he's earned his minutes. We're going to bring him in the middle of the first quarter. What do you guys think? I see him as Andre. Come in, settle us down. <laughs> he's more Barbosa. He's like, Ooh, I don't know. What yeah, you don't know, it. you don't yeah, know what you're going to get. Tempo is going to change. It might be good. It might be bad. Steph will be happy, but then it might not go exactly the way you want it. He might be the only guy hitting shots in Game 6 2016. You don't know. You don't know. It could be anything. Well, my understanding, we're getting a Cam be our host, so I was hoping for Tolbert, frankly, but I guess we'll take take Marcus. We should get Tolbert on a... uh... He'd do it. Podcast. He'd do it. I, I don't want to hijack, or maybe I do want to hijack. It was interesting. I went on Tolbert, and Tolbert is in the camp of everybody settle down on this Wiseman thing. I don't get the hype. I don't get it. You know, it's ridiculous. They're showing clips of practices. What the hell is this sort of classic old man take in the beautiful way that he can do it? And I thought that was kind of interesting. I feel like that's a dichotomy going in. It's the people who... He should probably tell his uh, Arizona friend to settle down. (laughs) That's exactly what I said. I said, it's your boy, Steve Kerr. No, it's Bruce (laughs) Frazier. What do you mean? It's Bruce Frazier. Uh, (laughs) Listen, I appreciate that, right? Let's see it. We haven't... I mean, I start thinking that myself. We haven't even seen him in Summer League. We haven't seen him in anything. But you know it when you see it and the Warriors see it. And that's what we're reacting to. I think that's kind of emanating. You know, they were ready for it. They, you know, they wanted this to happen. So some of this might be confirmation bias. But the pratfalls that, that you could probably foresee 
in the early going, you know, low motor, not interested, can't hit a shot, unaggressive. Particularly from a big guy, right? Those are particularly from a big guy, guy. young big guy, particular, and he's not any of those things. So I think that's the excitement again. He could look go out there and look terrible in the first two games. I think it's likely that he will look terrible in moments in in the first few games, but he'll still be big. He'll still run the court. He'll still be aggressive. All those things, I think, are baked into what this excitement is. And again, I've said he's the, he's the mo- most buzz I've heard about it, a Warriors rookie coming in since Draymond. And again, and Draymond was a second-round pick, so they're saying, oh, he's going to be good, or he could be good. He's better than you think. With Wiseman, it's, oh, my God, this guy's going to change the team. And that matters, and we're reflecting that, I think. Slater said something that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, and probably around Warriors Nation. I'm starting to sound like Bob Fitzgerald over here, but he was on the Nate Duncan podcast, and he said, and he was going through to a very skeptical Nate Duncan, who was all about drafting LaMelo Ball, and at some point Slater said, they think they might have a superstar on their hands. And I thought, oh, okay. No, that's, it's the correct framing. They think they might. Not that they're convinced that it will be, but they think they might. And there are very, 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 very few players where that happens in general, and especially here, where they think, wait a second, this guy has that chance. And that's why people are so excited. I would say the main thing, this isn't about like, uh uh-oh, we think we might beat the Nets next week because James Wiseman's going to give 20 minutes. Or even, hey, we think James Wiseman's going to lead us to the West Finals this year. It's more about... We think two years from now, James Wiseman potentially could be like a you know a top twenty player in the league, a you know top four center. Oh, don't and, walk it back! Don't walk it no, back! No, that's a superstar. Is that not a you know? But you know what I mean. Like this is more about they think the equation of the franchise long term could be shifting because of him, not because hey we're gonna see him like immediately like play the Nets well on Tuesday. He might foul out in seven minutes Tuesday. He might not have Slater doesn't want the heat. He doesn't want the heat when Wiseman goes one of five. I don't think I'm toning it. I mean, well. (laughs) It's the framing of it and the framing of it. It can get exaggerated, but also he can change them this season just by running the court, you know, playing defense and being a threat on the low post, which they have not had. In the dynasty time, they did not have a center who was a low post threat. They did not. David West was a high post threat. Sean Livingston was their best low post player. So this is just plays into, he could be a fantastic talent with a good head on his shoulders who picks it up fast at an incredibly interesting position for them. You know, in a position they have not had. They've closed games with Draymond at center. We might be going into an era where they never close games with Draymond anymore. It's not now, but it could be in about three months. So the way we've thought about the Warriors for five years, maybe longer, might change at least in some way by the advent of James Weissman. And that's what I think the, the, the broader picture is. And so how much easier is it to fit that Minnesota draft pick in next season when you if you know you have Wiseman at center, you just plug, you know, things become easier to plug in if you have a very good center and you have Steph Curry and you have Klay Thompson coming back and you have it just becomes easier to plug this in in your mind if this is what they can count on for the next 5, 10, 15 years. We'll see. It might he might hit a plateau. We don't know, but when you're 7 feet what is he seven one and you're 19 it's hard to put a ceiling on somebody if he's you know aggressive skilled and has you know has a very good thoughtful mind which it all seems true with Wiseman I was just saying he can just get buckets this season based on what we've seen just beating his man back down the court 
I mean, how many centers are going to be able to keep up with him? I think we can say that ahead of time without seeing everything else. Yeah, there are some centers like Bam can keep pace with him, right? Going back down the court. But some of these other guys, you're going to get a situation where he just gets back down the court faster. And then if somebody else is picking him up, they're just going to be too little for him. And here comes the lob. So I think that's a really... If we're talking transition warriors, that's a really exciting element, maybe underrated because we focus a lot on the big and part of what makes this big exciting is the speed. Don Nelson taught me that, you know, one, the best way to get a fast break going was other than a point guard who can get the ball up is to have big men who run the court because they screw up all the fast transition defense rotations. If they've got to figure out how they're guarding, you know, let's just say James Worthy. That was showtime right there. Like all of a sudden, everything spun around, and the bigs and the littles get all confused about who they're guarding. And if the Warriors can do that with Steph leading the break, Draymond pushing it, and Wiseman running the lane, and Oubre running the other lane, yeah, that's how you get the fast break going. That's how you screw up other teams because the big men don't want to run like that. So you have to get, you know, all of a sudden you end up with a guard like guarding Wiseman in the fast break, and then a center is supposed to get Steph, and that's three points. These are the equations, I think, that are popping up in the Warriors' minds. Yeah, Christmas is a great example of, you know, a matchup. James Wiseman is probably going to be guarding Brook Lopez at times. He's probably going to be a little bit confused by guarding a center who could shoot threes. Brook Lopez might even, you know, hit a, hit a few threes where there are James Wiseman breakdowns. I could see Giannis driving the lane and Wiseman so over-eager to, you know, try to contest a, a Giannis shot that he hammers him and he, and he gets a couple fouls. But at the same time, He's going to beat Brooke Lopez up and down the floor for some buckets. I mean, because he's just faster. He's much faster than Brooke Lopez, and he's just as big. It's going to be, you know, give and take early. But the one thing it's interesting about, like, Looney, you know how, like, Looney will play a good game, but, like, the coaches will almost have to explain why he had a good game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Passionately. Passionately. I remember DeMarco yelling at me when I was, I think I was saying that maybe you should play this lineup instead of that lineup. Typical, you know, just sort of, this was years ago. And it was about Looney, and he yelled, that's why you don't know anything about positional defense. Yeah, exactly. But with Wiseman, what's going to be interesting is I think the coaches are going to try to want to explain like where his mistakes were because fans might just see, man, he just hammered a dunk on Brooke Lopez. He, you know, he, he did those few highlight plays, and they're like, yeah, but you know, he missed the rotation here. Looney would have got out to that three. He wouldn't have left Brooke Lopez there. So that'll probably be the first month or two balance, but I think he's going to have the type of highlights that will keep the buzz about him going. It's very anti-Warriors, right? It's, with Warriors, it's always, we'll look at that, you know, that secondary rotation. You concentrate on that. Not just on the dunk it's on these other three things that even Steph Steph screened away from the ball that's that's why he's so valuable or look at that help defense and with Wiseman it's going to be oh my god he just threw down the most amazing dunk on top of that guy's head oh my god that block shot was something oh that post jumper is something you know we're going to see it all with Wiseman and we're going to see the good and we're probably going to see the bad again which changes them a little bit they, they just haven't had that guy you know other than Durant this new guy that oh everything he does you're going to watch and some of it's going to be great some of it's going to be mediocre some of it's going to be bad but they haven't had this and they needed this with the new right they, you don't want to get a number two overall pick for the first time in you know 20 years and go ah oh, you know he's all right are wolves fans excited to watch anthony yeah, edwards <laughs> I mean, I follow a lot of NBA accounts and everything, and I, I see some of them critiquing what he did. What I don't see is excitement. Uh, what I saw was, well, he was better than last game, so there you go. <laughs> you know? so Edwards might be a guy who plays in the league for a long time. I think I'm predicting that he will, but 
that it doesn't change who you are if Anthony Edwards is the pick. James Wiseman, if he's good, changes a lot. And yeah, you're not going to be as, you know, built up foundationally with Anthony Edwards as you are with James Wiseman. Yeah, I I just don't think there was any question about that. So this flips us in, you know, I kind of wanted to segment the the season preview podcast so we could have conversations about all the main guys. I mean, Wiseman's one of them. We'll stick there. And this, Ethan led into this well, because my question over under whatever you want to call about him is, do you guys think he's going to be rookie of the year? And this is looking at the field, too. I think Ethan might want to, to expand on his LaMelo Ball preseason takes here. But what do you guys think? I oh, mean, he's got LaMelo Ball preseason takes? I didn't there's, there's, there's nuance there. There's nuance there. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll start out on this. Who will be Rookie of the Year? I'm trying to remember, how often do bigs win it? It seems like a, an award that bigs don't often win, and that's just top of my head. Well, Zion was going to win it last year. But he would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, so, he yeah. would have, but for the health. So, yeah, I guess he— Embiid, really, you could say that, too. Embiid would have won it except for health. Or did—wait, Brogdon won it over him, right? But but that was just because he played, like, 30 games. But, no, the point is that the younger players tend—you know, the smaller players tend to be better young, right? You can see it. They have the ball— or they just score more and people just vote for that and they don't necessarily get into the nitty gritty. So I think if you're handicapping it, and I haven't looked at the Vegas odds, I would have to think that LaMelo is at the top. He's going to get the most minutes, I think. Like if you had to say right now, who's what rookie is going to play the most minutes, man, I think LaMelo is going to play like 32 a game, start bang, that's it. Because I mean, what else do they have there? Not only that, what Ethan was saying the, the last week is correct, too, where LaMelo's going to throw three awesome passes that explode the internet, and then people who didn't watch Hornets Magic aren't going to realize that he went like one of six and was like a minus seven or something. So people are going to think he probably had a better year than he did. Well, right now I'm looking at it. It's uh, for Vegas Insider. LaMelo plus 390, Anthony Edwards plus 480. Wiseman plus 480. So Wiseman is uh, neck and neck with Edwards. And there's a big drop off where Obi Toppin is plus 700. And then Obi Toppin, good value. Obi Toppin, yeah. good value. New York, New York, you know. Obviously. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll throw out a Patrick Williams at plus 2000, considering Bulls are a big market team that people pay attention to. he's starting right now over Otto Porter, I think. He's a perimeter guy. I think that's pretty good value. Maybe these odds have shifted a little bit based on the preseason. I mean, what's amazing about the preseason, I think, is that we can say it's just preseason, but let's face it, if they did a redraft, the draft would be radically different just based on those few games. Well, no summer league, too, which has made this preseason like, whoa. And abbreviated college season. (laughs) And, you know, all these things have made this, like, the impact of preseason larger, which is fine. It's just natural. Uh, but yeah, I, I, w- I would say Wiseman is is a distant, distant, you know, b- behind Lamella Ball, and 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 if Edwards scores twenty two a game, which he might, you know, I doubt it, but he might, and he's going to be in that conversation too. It doesn't Rookie of the Year doesn't mean you're the best player, but no, way. no, uh, but then, then Halliburton we would have to really consider yes. based on his you moments. Oh, Halliburton, yeah, yeah, he had blocked Steph. Um, the one thing I would say. It, in Wiseman's favor would be if he's part of a winning situation, if the Warriors are a feel-good surprise story. Um, I don't think that's happening in Charlotte. Potentially, maybe. I don't think it's happening in Minnesota. He has the best chance to at least have the argument on his side that, hey, I'm part of a winning situation. I'm a starting center for the fifth seed in the West, something like that. Yeah, I just think it's hard, especially in this draft where you have so many perimeter players and they're going to get the ball. They're going to be able to make their mistakes. Teams are going to be tanking. So they're just at some point, they're just going to let these guys take however many shots they want to take, which is not going to be the case for Wiseman. So it's just hard for me to see Wiseman as good 
good value. Isaac Okoros looked really good. His shot looks different. It looks like he he went in the lab and it just looks it just looks smoother. So he's somebody who could potentially get it. So he might be like the Cavs' third best players, second best players. Like, I mean, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. You're gonna expect him to get a lot of run down the line. But there are probably some Warriors fans listening who are going to want to make a Wiseman bet because it's fun to bet on the players you root for. Do that responsibly. If you do that, we can't predict the future. It would not be what I would do based on the value is what I would say. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be playing more than 20 minutes a game. You know, on average, even if he's good, they're just going to hold him back. They've got Looney. They, they've got Chris. They're not going to want... You know, Kerr doesn't play his centers for extended minutes anyway. He likes them in bits. And so he'll have impact on the court, probably. But they're not going to play him 30 minutes. They're just not going to do that. And they've got Looney to close halves. they got Looney to close games. What we're talking about is a larger impact. We're not just talking about like a season, rookie season, rookie of the year kind of impact. We're looking at what this means for the mix of who they got. And they've still got Steph and Draymond. They're still going to lean on that. They're still going to fit around that. But there will be a larger adjustment. And I, I wrote about that over the weekend. Like we never have thought about rotations beyond what's best for Steph and then what's on the non-Steph. Wiseman is a kind of talent where he gets like, okay, now what do you put around Wiseman, right? I mean, Steph, yes, but what do you put about around Wiseman? How do you fit this roster around Wiseman? And that's the first time they've had this. Obviously, Durant is a whole other equation. Let's just take him out of the... But since Steph's arrival, it's the first time they've had a talent. I mean, you would not have said that about Harrison Barnes. You would not have said that about Iguodala at the, when they got him because they had Steph. I think you can start thinking about some things like this with Wiseman. Not necessarily to this being this incredible season from him. Just needs to be good and then project to much bigger things beyond that. I want a quick LaMelo take, which is that I'm not all negative on LaMelo. I get it. I mean, he has some sort of quality that one associates with a superstar. He has incredible confidence and flair and rhythm out there and makes some plays that nobody else can make. So I'm not somebody who's dismissive of that or has completely written off the potential that he could become a star. Uh, it's just interesting, as Slater's noted, the dichotomy between how a guy will go one of ten and all anybody sees is the one great pass. And we don't know if that's going to be the continuation of a trend later on, and it's going to ultimately hold him back. We shall see. Another little aside, more in the Warriors realm, it is surprising to me that we have two Warriors-Hornets games, and as far as I can see, unless I'm reading it wrong, neither on, are on national TV. I think that's an oversight by the schedule makers. That's a situation, and I just wrote about it, where they have used uh, analytics in a way, uh, a, a computer, proprietary software to tell them what the biggest games are going to be. And I think that when you're doing that, there are a lot of benefits to that, but one of the drawbacks is that the computer can't really know that there's going to be hype for that particular game, that people are going to want to see LaMelo go against Wiseman and the Steph Hornets connection, the whole deal. So I think that's an oversight by the schedule makers. Maybe NBC LeVar uh, versus happy Steve about Kerr. It. They, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, LeVar versus Steve Kerr. Yeah, that's going to be potentially interesting. They passed on LaMelo. I think those two games should be, at least one of them should be a national game. I don't want to get too much further in LaMelo, but I'll, Ethan, is LaMelo going to be a better player than Lonzo? I think yes. Such a higher ceiling. Lonzo plays D, though. Worst defender, much more impactful offensive player. And in, in the league, that Oh, man. More. Did you see Cole Anthony just pretty much walking by him with the ball? I mean, that was, uh, yeah. yeah. There's going to be issues there. But I think he's probably going to be a better player. He's going to probably end up being a more valuable player. 
Cole Anthony, Dark Horse, ROI? No. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to f- keep going down the center list. I had questions that, that were kind of related to, to a couple of Tim's points. My Marquise Chris question is, will he play more minutes than Kevon Looney this season? I mean, are we baking in that Kevon's probably going to miss 10 games with injuries? Uh, you know, because that's kind of his standard situation. I would think Chris has a set role way more than Looney does, that he's going to play. He's going to be the center on the second unit. And that's seven minutes, you know, maybe not all the seven minutes perhaps, but you know, right around there. And Looney's just going to be spot here and there. And if Wiseman's role grows, it's going to eat into Looney's time, maybe not so much as Chris's time, because Chris kind of is going to have a set role, I think, with us. Especially if he's hitting the three. Is he Slater, is he going to hit that three all season? I don't know if he's going to hit it. I think he's going to take it a bit more. Um, but he's going to be low 30s from three. But just so. that, I mean, you know, on that unit. Look, I'll tell you this. If he's lining up for a three compared to when Kevon Looney's lining up for a three, I trust Marquise Chris <laughs> a lot more. I wasn't seeing Kevon making a lot in the warm-ups uh, when we were at Kevon the misses arena. his free throws. So how can you feel like he's going to hit his threes? Again, it's good that he's trying to do it. But I, I think Chris has got a pretty much got a, unless he plays terrible, he's got pretty much got a set role. Looney's just going to be the plug-in guy. So yeah, I'd say I'd say Chris more minutes than Looney. Tim, we must ask Ethan. We must ask Ethan the uh, the Looney Renaissance. The Looney guy. I mean, Looney I got to stick. I got to stick with my. I got to stick with my Kevon Looney. Were Renaissance. you disappointed in his preseason? No, I wasn't <laughs> disappointed in his preseason. I thought that he did what he needed to do. Maybe I would have been disappointed had I not seen him shooting before the first game from the outside because maybe I then would have expected him to be knocking down three-pointers. That does not seem to be in his game. Uh, I don't know if it will ever be, but I think he gives them the best defense right now from a big on the roster, and that matters a lot to Kerr, and I think it matters more so than some of what Chris can provide if Looney is healthy. So I am sticking with my Looney renaissance. I also You're not going to like my next question then. Oh, oh, okay, okay. My Kevon Looney question. It's wider scope. Is he on the roster after March 25th? When you said because... wider scope, it's like, did he have another knee issue? What happened? <laughs> the scope? No, what? No. <laughs> it's like you're talking to like one of his relatives, Slater. It's like you're you're br- br- like he's bracing. Oh, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Come on. Some news on come on. Well, what is this? Nice family. His, his dad shows yes, up very nice. Yes, yes, yes. March 25th is the trade deadline. Kavon Looney has a, a, you know, he makes, I think, about $5 million this year. He has a player option for next year, which we all expect him to pick up. And he is, you know, that amount of salary is not insignificant because it, it, it allows a bit more versatility and what they can maybe go after at the deadline because their roster is basically filled with maxes minimums and loony although why you know Wiseman <laughs> too Wiseman's at like eight mil or so but you know it particularly you know we talk about Wiseman potentially you know exploding that would maybe make loony more expendable and he's also an option to try to save tax money if this is a disappointing season I don't know what do you guys think I think loony is a survivor he has been on the uh, chopping block on this roster for so many years in so many different situations. They didn't pick up his option and then they brought him back. I mean, I I think you just, it, the smart money at this point is to just keep betting on uh, Kevon Looney to remain on the Warriors. And yeah, I think what he's shooting the preseason, like 40% wasn't the best showing, but we're talking about three games. This might be a, a bit of an overreaction. I'm still, I'm still standing strong with the Looney Renaissance. He's a cursed security blanket, and you know we, we know Steve likes having lots of centers, and they don't have that many on this roster. He, he's had six at one time. Uh, I think he will, and I don't think he's going to play Draymond at center that much. I mean, he's talked about it, and I don't know that's where they want to go anymore. So 
you know, you want three, right? You got to have at least three. And if we're counting Smile Geach or not, I, I don't think they do. Oh, I've uh, got a question for him yeah. later. <laughs> but I'm just saying, okay, that's, wait, 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 let's finish on Lou. Let's finish on Lou. Let's finish on Lou. If they can switch him for a 4-5 who can shoot threes and somehow, you know, do that in February, I think then Looney could go. because they they'll, But they'll need somebody who can play some minutes at five. They can't go with two guys at center. One of them six foot nine, and the other one's 19 years old. I just can't see Steve Kerr doing that. So Looney's the security blanket until then. And then maybe if they can flip them, I don't think they just flip them for nothing. I don't think that would just be a luxury tax move. I think they'd have to they'd have, to, have get to be somebody another they center play. on the roster. Yes, they'd have to be able to play somebody, and it's not Dragon Bender, you know, it's not Smilagich. It's somebody that they can realistically say that guy can play, you know, eight minutes against Rudy Gobert, you know, if we absolutely need him to do it. And that's what Looney's been, and they have not. They, they don't have someone who who can just flip right into that spot. My loony take, uh, which might be a loony take. The loony lane. There's something called corporate knowledge, as Greg Popovich has said, where you have enough players on roster who understand what you do and how you do it and who have been around long enough that they can teach other people. The Warriors don't have a lot of those people on the roster. I think they're that in the can't front office di- now. Yeah, they're in the front office. I think that can't be discounted. Additionally, this is such, and this is, I think, been a little bit overlooked. Such a poor passing roster that Looney might be in the top five of passers on this roster, if not the top four. And I think those elements might be what keeps him on the team through whatever the uh, trade deadline date is. They can't remember right now. Fourth longest tenured warrior. At age to a 25? Whatever yeah, six year. This is his sixth yeah. year, which yeah. is crazy. He's a vet. He's Wiseman's vet, really, um, which is kind of crazy. All right, staying in the in the realm of the bigs. I'll save some of the bigger names for, I think, a Marcus Thompson appearance. Hopefully a Marcus We'll Thompson. go back with Wiseman because that's what the listeners want, I've decided, or I've noticed. So we'll circle back when Marcus shows up. Eric Paschal, who I, I kind of had a disappointing preseason, honestly. Uh, the three-point shot does not look quite as changed as uh, it had been hinted at, or at least, you know, sometimes when you get back in the environment of, oh, it's game time, you kind of go back to your old habits. But uh, Eric Pascal, I have down here an over-under, 10.5 points per game. He averaged 14 last season, very different environment. But do you expect growth this season? He needs to rearrange what he is in, uh, you know, in, a, in a lesser role. What do you guys think? I'd say definitely under, definitely under. It's a switch of a role anyway. He's certainly not the primary offensive scorer like he was last season for most of the season. And... Yeah, I think the shot is going to be an adjustment. I think we saw it change in the middle of the last game. Like he missed one shot, and then the next one had the big kick out all of a sudden, and he missed that one. So he's going to be in between for a little while. I think he's a skilled player. I think they really need him because they don't have another power forward other than Draymond, and, and we've already seen Draymond's going to miss the first few games. But I don't know that he's going to score like that. You know, he's initiator a little bit. He can get into the lane. I don't know that he can finish if there's a big guy there. But he can do that stuff. But that outside shot, I don't see that coming for a while. I, I think there's going to be some hot nights and some really non-hot nights. So I'd, I'd say I'd say significantly lower than 10. I'd say it might be like 6. 6 points per game. Yep. That's yep. I really, yep. That's bad. In yep. some ways, I think he's their 6 man. You know, at least he's their best bench scorer. You know, we're, you know I know Wiggins will be part of that second unit but that's not good i'm not expecting much out of him scoring wise i just think his future is as as like as a seventh or eighth man not as a sixth man in in my opinion he's not that he he could prove me wrong 
But I think if you have a volume shooting Eric Pascal, you're going to have some really clunky offensive minutes, is, is my opinion. I would say one thing you need out of him is like random 20-point nights. Yeah, and that's if that's when he's hot. That's when he's hot, yeah. And, and if you do that, you should be averaging near 10. Remember, he was like having 35-point games last season. And like, I, we haven't seen it in preseason. I, I'm wondering if he kind of like... I think it'll take a little time, but I'm a little bit higher on this offensive upside. And honestly, that's become his value in the league, which is crazy because it's completely flipped on what we thought. We thought he was going to be a defender who had to find his way offensively, but his best skill in the league is downhill score. Yeah, he might fit better on a team uh, like the aforementioned Milwaukee Bucks uh, who have a stretch big because there needs to be more space for him to do what he can do. And it was interesting watching, again, his warm-ups because it looked like he reformed the shot. And then, as Tim mentioned, it doesn't go well and immediately the reversion back to the uh, to the kickout. And so it's hard at this juncture to be really optimistic about him turning into a 37% three-point shooter, right? And there's just a feeling, and it might be wrong, but based on what we're watching, a sense that he just doesn't really fit. There's not a fit. That it's one thing last year when there's just nearly no talent on the roster, but now the roster doesn't have a tremendous amount of shooting. It needs more shooting. And now you've got these bigs, this influx of bigs. And when he plays with Draymond, that doesn't seem to really work. I mean, Draymond's coming back and looking skinny. It just seems like he might be a decent NBA rotation player, and this just isn't the place for him. Or he could, yeah, he'd have to tone it down and be, you know, kind of a, a, a glue guy on that second unit and not shoot as much. I mean, the fact that Wiggins is going to be on that second unit tells you where they're going to want the offense, but they didn't put Ubre there, and Chris is shooting threes. You know, it's just, you can just kind of see, like, they, they're looking at him not to be the primary guy. They're looking at him to be a complementary guy, even on the second unit, and then fill in for Draymond when Draymond is out and get some of those first unit minutes, which he clearly will to start this trip. But I, I don't see them going, okay, wow, that shot's there. We're, we're going to build this second unit around Eric Pascal. I don't feel that. Again, that could change. And he's going to do some other things, you know, a physical presence, hit the, you know, rebound some, you know, just be somebody in there for them. But I just don't see them going, yeah, yeah, this guy's going to take another step. I don't, if they, and if they don't feel that, and they're the ones who've seen him in the minicamp and seen him in, in training camp, especially with Draymond out, like, you, could, you know, Draymond's out. He has barely been a part of this preseason and training camp. Once you think, okay, wow, Pascal's been great at the four. Wow, he's been, you know, Draymond's really great. We're going to count on him. But Pascal's really, I, I haven't heard that and I haven't felt that. I did hear some a little bit of early buzz on like how he looked in some of the scrimmages. The preseason games weren't good in the sense of like the, the, how bad the shot looked in that opener against Denver. Had a little knee tweak, so I think he missed a practice or two, and then he missed that second game. The problem I think right now is they want to fit him into that second unit as an important part of that second unit, but because of no Draymond, he's been, had to be the replacement starter. And remember in the first game, he had that mix-up with Steph where like he's always wanting to cut. Steph needs him spacing in the corner. Steph threw it out of bounds, and it's like he fits the second unit better because that's the ecosystem he was around last year right like worst teammates like where he can kind of try to shine a bit so i'm still waiting to see i i think if you're right tim if he's a six point per game like ninth man that is bad for the warriors it, it really is so it we'll might see be that. what he really i mean he's fourth pick in the draft yeah, I hate you to, might you know, be right you know, yeah i mean this might be who he is you know and maybe he builds like what was jay crowder when he was his age you know it just it might build but i just don't well see he's an all rookie first teamer 
which yeah, is crazy. That, I mean, I know that, why. Yeah, but that yeah. was circumstances. Yeah, circumstances. And he took advantage of it. So maybe I'm wrong. But, you know, that 35-point thing, I, just, I don't see that. I just don't see that guy, that jump shot. I, I you know, again, we're, look, we're small sample size. But when he did that scissor kick... On the second shot after the, the first scissor one. kick, yeah, I call I it the like, dolphin. I yeah, the dolphin reach. <laughs> wow, that's even worse. That, he's that's going to hear this. That's he's going to hear that. He this, is. Oh, no, question, no question. Gonna no question. Dolphin he's kick us. He's going to drop twenty on uh, off the bench on, or I guess, starting on opening night. <laughs> right on Katie's head. He's like, "All right, let's go. You and me, Durant. Let's go. Let's go." We both hate that Warriors Plus Minus podcast anyway, so let's go. Let's go. <laughs> but KD would actually probably listen. I, you know, I'm thinking about I was talking with somebody in the in the front office and about the idea of Wiseman and how many minutes he has. And I think the idea is that, yeah, he'll get 20. He'll get 15 spotted to him, but the rest he earns. That sort of general idea. And I don't know how many minutes get spotted to a guy like Pascal. You know, you've got a situation where rookie Wiseman they have a lot of investment in is going to get a lot of rope, a lot of royal jelly, as uh, Coach David Thorpe would say. Pascal, I feel like maybe now after the rookie honeymoon, it's it's the quick hook, and I think that's something to he could easily fall out of the rotation. I guess is what I'm saying. Yowza! All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that he will. I'm just saying that yeah, yeah, yeah. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I hear a rumor that we have a sixth man ready to <laughs> substitute into into the podcast right now. Put me in, coach. Eric Pascal. Is this Eric Pascal? No, never mind. It's uh, Marcus Thompson. Michael Mulder. Michael Mulder, sixth man. It's funny he's saying this because I do have a Mulder question coming up. Which is, this guy, this guy's right on it today. What are we talking about? Where are we at? What are we doing? We had a long James Wiseman segment that you missed. So if you want to get a Wiseman takeoff, go ahead. Wiseman's good. All right, next. we talked about uh looney and chris including who's going to be pretty much more impactful this year who's going to get more minutes probably as you know those are the two backup centers now are we presuming looney's healthy the whole time Ah, that was mine that was my presumption i don't Uh, know yeah who knows yeah slater's trading him regardless slater's Slater's (laughs) i didn't get to the point where i asked if he was on the roster after the deadline but you know if looney's healthy it, it definitely one of the things that stood out to me in the preseason was his rapport with Steph. You could tell their familiarity 
was a factor. But how how long does that last? Who who knows? But you know Kerr's gonna love him. You know he's gonna rotate right. He's gonna hop out on guards. You know you know Kerr's gonna love him. He's gonna get every opportunity to play. As long as he's healthy, I'd probably go with Looney. But you're right, Slater. He becomes valuable if he's good. The better he is, the more tradable he becomes. Yeah, and I just think Chris fits the second unit more, and I think Looney's starting spot is gone very soon. So that's my thing with him. Uh, then the other subject we talked about, Eric Pascal. It actually became an interesting Pascal discussion where I would say Tim's kind of down on him. He said that he thinks he'll be down around like six points per game and maybe like eighth, ninth, tenth man. Ethan even ended his last point saying Pascal might get bumped from the rotation at some point. So sounds like the Pascal buds is down. Where are Jeez, you? Jeez, what happened? Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Two preseason games. It's the games fit, man. It's, it's over. Fit. It's over. It's all over. It's the man. fit. They, they don't, they don't I didn't say shooting. tenth man. I didn't say tenth man, by the way. I said maybe eighth or ninth, though. Yeah. In that, in that back end. Back end. You missed when Slater was trying to walk back his Wiseman anointing. You know, I don't he was know trying to walk I didn't back walk back. it back too far, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I do think he's going to suffer from the fact that there's no way Kerr's not going to put Wiggins in that second unit. Like, that's that's going to be Wiggins' time to cook. I think he might put Uber in there too, just because they'll need the offense. But will Pascal get unlimited touches? Will he get to, run? you know... Really no, kind of running. No, it's he not won't. gonna happen. No it, was, it was probably gonna happen, but it's probably not now. Like, cause Wiggins kind of needs that now. Like, maybe in a universe where he marries Wiggins' minutes to Steph, but that just it just can't. I, I don't see how he can do that. At least not to start. So you directly cutting into Pascal's shots. The thing I think the thing that I think saves him is he'll rebound. Pascal will rebound. He'll get you tough baskets inside. And that does have a value, right? There's something to that that will matter, especially in the unit that's supposed to be priding itself on defense. Like being able to get a rebound, a tough rebound, will matter. But can you do that with just Chris and a bunch of threes? I don't know if there's a good. I will say one thing: Pascal might be able to take advantage of after bashing him like I did. Is he's going to be playing against a second unit? you know, power forward, who often is just a small forward, right? I mean, these are the size mismatches he took advantage last season often, even as a starter. Like he's going to get somebody's not good backup power forward, and he's going to be able to take advantage of some of that. But, you know, Wiggins, I would say more so, is going to take advantage of the opponent's bad small forward. So I think the, the opportunities will be restricted, but... I think if Pascal is good, he will have the opportunity to go get some buckets, but I just don't think it's going to be a lot. I, I think it's going to be really reduced given the, the composition of that second unit as we see it. All right, that's enough Eric Pascal talk. <laughs> Let's go to the bigger names. Now Smiley that Mark is here. Oh, no, no, no. That's late. That's late in the podcast. How can we that's, pod that's, so much about him? <laughs> uh, actually, we've had some people complain that there's too much Smiley Geach, but um, Draymond Green. Top 10 defender this year, do you guys think? And I say top 10 because that means, you know, there's two all-NBA defensive teams. Is he an all-NBA defender still? Will he? This is his final season to kind of show it, really. I mean, because, you know, this is the tilt of his career. Where is it going? Is he going to hold on and still be super impactful the next few years? And if he's going to be, he has to be a top 10 defender, right? I think so. I'm going to say so. Uh, he's had his issues. He's had his bumps and bruises, but... I do think there's been an overcorrection, one bad season with not a whole lot to play for and no real motivation, and all of a sudden, I think people are forgetting. Draymond Green, I don't think gets enough respect. I think he's the best defensive player of his generation, and 
I've said it before and people get their backs up about it, but if you think of the influence, the versatility, I mean, just on a defining team, uh, he, he really changed the game. And I think that it's too early to write him off. He has so much less to focus on in this season than perhaps in some other seasons. And it's just, they're oddly deep. I mean, that's a weird thing to say because they have way more talent in some of those other seasons, but it seems like he almost has less to do in this one just because they're more of a a deep team. You know, his defensive drop-off went from obviously 73 win season, just electric everywhere to then even the first Durant season, defensive player of the year, that was his DPOY year. But the last two Durant seasons, he was second team all NBA, riding a little bit on reputation because and then the playoffs started and he absolutely turned it on. But I think part of it's like, hey, I can't 82 games defensive player of the year it. And then obviously last year was last year. How much of an impact do you think he could still have over the course of a the full last season? time we saw a playoffs that fans attended? Draymond Green was a top 10 defensive player, if not top four, if not top three. So if he's healthy, I think he's going to be that guy. I think that's the key if he's healthy. Um, I do think he's got a couple things working for him with this roster. With Wiggins, with Oubre, with Bazemore, it's not Durant and Clay in front of you, but it's the same type of players. They will be able to kind of committee guard whatever the premier small forward is, which means Draymond won't have to. And unless you have two good, like a good three and a good four, Draymond's greatest strength as a defender is as a helper. If he can help and not be matched up with the quote-unquote best guy, like if they play the Clippers and he doesn't have to guard Kawhi, that's where he's even better. And then when you need him as a stopper, then you can throw Draymond on him. So the way this team is set up, and then you got Wiseman uh, potentially at the rim, ready to protect the rim. Like this team is fit for a Draymond defense where he could point guys where to go. He could be the quarterback. He can help. He can kind of be all over the place. I think you'll get that type of Draymond. And if he's healthy, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be top 10. It's a great point. He's Ed Reed. Yes, Ed Reed is great. He gets docked for his offensive slide, and people just include that into his defense. Now, he wasn't good on either side last season, but if he's missing threes, it doesn't change his effect on defense. You know, it's Kawhi's defense has slid. His offense has been fine. And they don't, you know, you don't really see him being critiqued on the. Now I'm just sounding like Ethan. This is Ethan just sitting in a press room here. But uh, I, I think. What are Draymond your smiling can- each takes now? Yeah. <laughs> I, think Dray- I think Draymond. And what about this hamburger uh, that they're serving I've, instead? I've, I've moved on to Justinian Jessup. Thank yeah. you very yeah, much. Yeah, oh, I just can't uh, wait yeah, for my yeah, final yeah, question. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Draymond's isn't like a physical, I mean, he is a physical defender, but it isn't because he's the fastest guy and he's jumping through the roof. It's not a physical thing for him as much as it's a mental thing. It's it's a commitment thing. It's an IQ thing, and he is the smartest guy on the court defensively. I think tag teaming with Wiseman will even get more out of Draymond. He'll feel, you know, he'll kind of use that to push himself forward. Look at what this young guy's doing. Look at what we're doing together. The way that a young Draymond tag team with Andrew Bogut. That's when Draymond really became something. Yes. Those two guys on yep. the court together. Somebody speaking his language. 
Exactly. And then, man, if I do this, this guy's going to be behind me. And if he does this, I'm going to be behind him. Those are the things Draymond loves and that really accelerates his defensive kind of value. So I can see that all happening this season. Wiseman being a big part of it. Ubre being a big part. I think you know Draymond's going to love. There's a crazy guy he's playing with. Some guy who's going to get in everybody's face. Oh, Somebody who's going to be. You know, How is he going to love that? <laughs> so I think all those things like are you know like, it, it's kind of like a geometric progression. It's not just one plus one. It's like one times one times two times three. Uh, and I think we're going to get see Draymond not only play better for it, but he's going to get recognition for it. If the, if the Warriors are a top ten defense, like Kerr and everyone says that they want to be. You think Draymond won't get credit for that? He's going to get huge well, credit for that. If Wiseman is a good defender, every story that will be written will be like, you know, Wiseman talking about why Draymond yes. talked him through this, why Draymond exactly. is, at, is at the And you think Steve Kerr and, and, and Ron Adams won't say that too? You know, oh, Wiseman's getting so much help from Draymond. This is going to be part of the storyline. We shall see if it happens. But I can see Draymond, again, when, when Draymond was, he's been great is defensively throughout the dynasty but man when the first times he really played with with bogut it was a revelation like wow look what's going on here this team is playing interior defense and it was those two guys working together and loving to work together looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And this is how they set it up too, right? Like they were like, yo, Wiggins with Draymond, he'll be a better defender. You put this guy with Draymond. He'll be... So he almost got credit in advance <laughs> because <laughs> if you put these guys with Draymond all, oh, they'll be a better defender. Like that's, that's kind of been what they've making on. I got two quick questions related to this. Number one, Marcus, you kind of mentioned it with the health thing, but he's out right now, probably for at least a game or two. I know it's very minor, minor little, little basically just foot soreness because he hadn't played basketball in a while and then he scrimmaged. But is that a concern? I mean, where, like, do you guys just think, oh, yeah, whatever? Or is this like, uh-oh, what, you know, where's the body going? It's not a great sign. I mean, you, it's not a great sign. You look for those signs at the beginning, but there's so much that we don't know right now that it's completely insane. And I'm just going to go off the idea that he had a lot of time to heal up, a lot of time to get his body right. He's coming in in incredible shape. And ultimately, I think that should win out. Plus, you have fewer games this season. So maybe we should be airing on the side of health more so. But in a more compacted time, though, that's it's 72 in a, in a tighter schedule. I, I th- he's going to miss some games. He's going to miss some games. And the history says he's going to miss some games. Just, you know, where they come, is he healthy when they really need him? Is he healthy for the majority of the games? He's going to miss the first one or two. But you just wipe that in. He's going to play 65 games. And if he if he doesn't, okay. Is it 60? Is it 55? And do you get the best out of him for those games? And I, I just think, yeah, you just have to, assume, you have to assume that for a lot of players. He's not the only one on this roster that I think you're going to have to work a little bit of, okay, maybe once a month he's going to miss a couple games and just try to top it out from there. Not, you know, this is not just resting this is he's gonna have some aches and, and, and pains this is just what he's gonna go through at his age and and as as every nba player when they hit 30 
quick before I move us on to a, a different player, I want to get a numeric prediction from all four of us. Where do they finish in defensive efficiency as a team this year? I'll start. I'm so I'm going ninth. I'll say ten, right on the number, right right where they want to be, number ten. I'm going with seven. Whoa, whoa. I'll go five. Wow, I'm 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 the lowest. I'm, pri- I'm the I'm, I'm price wow. is right in. I'm price is right. That's in what this. I was doing too, Ethan. Like yeah. <laughs> one dollar, one dollar. I thought somebody was gonna say twelve or something. Yeah, wow. I was gonna say wow. all four of us are agreeing with the assessment. The yikes, t- I almost said that, that felt like a homery. Yeah, segment. I know. Warriors, Warriors plus plus. We're, we're forget about the minus. Maybe I'm overrating what I saw in that first game in person, but I just I just like the look of it. A lot of athleticism, a lot of swarming. I didn't even have this planned as a question, but where were they finishing offensive efficiency? Uh, they're going to be down less than that. No, yeah, they're, 15, they're not going to be the same. Warriors. Yeah, they're not going to be. Yeah, they they need to be top fifteen, top sixteen, but I think it's going to be right there because they're just not that great. They're a different team than we've seen when they've been going good. They don't have that easy offense with them. Unless are we going to talk about Steph Curry at all on this show? By the that way, that was next. That was next. <laughs> yeah, he might be. He might be pretty important to this season. When Steph sits, they're going to be like 39th in offensive efficiency. <laughs> and if Steph, Steph's not hitting behind like, like Kentucky, not, yeah. Stanford, and Gonzaga, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's going to be ugly. They do not. They don't have shooting. They don't have playmaking. And I think they should add some shooting with whatever maneuvers they do because it's pretty hard to get. It's pretty hard to get both those things, and you got to prioritize uh, prioritize what you can. But it's going to be rough when Steph sits and like. Marcus is the same when he's not hitting. Uh, there aren't going to be a lot of other guys hitting. What I got from the preseason is it's just hard for them to maintain a flow. The ability to shoot consistently, what's the difference between shooting like 35% from deep and 39 It's not that much, but what it is sometimes is it's just not having an absence of links in the chain. And it just seems like it's going to be hard for them to put together runs because they keep having these possessions where they swing the ball and it's a clank. And so I'm kind of thinking 15, and maybe that's even optimistic, especially if Steph gets hurt for any period of time. I want to admit my defensive answer. Like, I just looked it up. Like, the last two years of the Durant era, they finished 11th. I don't think they'll be better than that. I don't think they'll be a better defensive team than that team. Well, the problem is that defensive team was much better than they show. They they they, they snoozed the whole yeah, season, they were and then in the playoffs left. they were like a top two defensive team. So that's a little bit part of the reason that a belief in their defense this regular season is they're going to care. They're going really to really. They have to. They don't yeah, have a choice. To. Yeah, and they yeah, have the they bodies. Can't, they can't throw away a back to back. You know, in L.A. Well, they, maybe they still will. if they're the Warriors, they probably still will. But they can't snooze into games. You know, they, they're going to have to play defense every night. They're going to have to. They're not going to win every night, but they're going to. Have to play defense every or at least try I'm to go with 11 i'm going with 11 oh ooh, okay. 11. all right curry segment quickly top three in mvp voting yes or no i'll say yes but you know right on the borderline of that and we'll see that he's going to get a lot of credit for just getting through this he's going to score a lot he's going to shoot a lot i don't know i think the field goal percentage might go down but i think threes are going to be very exciting we talk about the you know highlights for Lamelo. i think steph's going to have a lot of high people i mean nationally were buzzing about that preseason game uh, and it was fun. It was Hassan Steph. Whiteside, yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah, he needs more Hassan Whiteside drop defense. But I didn't realize drop defense was you have to stand underneath the rim uh, in pick and roll against Steph. I think he's going to get a lot of credit if they're halfway good. It's going to be Steph, 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 Steph. He hasn't won in a while. You know, they're just. Gonna, it's just. It feels like the time for him to get credit. Almost like a career honors thing for him. Don't think he's going to win it, but yeah, I can see him. I, I can see him one, two, three, four, right in there. I'm trying to think who's going to be up for it. 
I Doncic, Doncic, Doncic. Luca's going to get a lot of love. By the way, LeBron hasn't won it in a long time. There's going to be conversation about that. He has not LeBron won it. LeBron will be time. in it. I think yeah. Damian Lillard AD? will be in it. AD I don't think Lillard's going to be in it. I don't think Lillard's going to be in it. I don't think they're going to win enough. And then on top of that, Luca, that he's on schedule for it, right? He's on schedule. But that that Mavericks team. I don't know if that Mavericks team has enough around him to where he's going to be doing that level of winning. So, I mean, those are threats to win it, but you can easily see why they wouldn't. I think Kevin Durant would be this incredible comeback story if the Nets. I am uh, definitely not ruling him out after what I've seen in the preseason. Uh, yeah, uh, although it's interesting. He looked in, he looked amazing. Not pushing yes. off the, the the healed leg. He's pushing off the other leg, but I mean, he's pushing off with some swiftness on that other leg. And I don't think they're going to give it to Giannis because it's just fatigue and it hasn't been validated in the playoffs. Maybe, but if he just has an absurd statistical season and they're easily the best team in the East, it's hard to like just ignore. I mean, I, I do agree with like the narrative aspect of like, dude show it in the playoffs but what if he has the same regular season it's hard to like yeah i don't i don't i think he'll be out i think he'll be out i think it's what can he do now what can he do they didn't give it to jordan every year right so and his statistics were better than everybody's so i think Giannis has had his two they're gonna pause on anthony it. davis anthony I davis think, hey, jason tatum it, 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 there's gonna be some you know we'll see how good these guys are Embiid, whatever James Harden. I think Harden's out. <laughs> yeah, Harden, yeah, but I think Steph's there. There is a whole other. Let's appreciate what Steph Curry has done. Look, look these Warriors are back. He's going to be on TV a ton. He will be in this conversation if he has a good season. I think we're all presuming he does have a, a very good season, especially scoring wise. If he scored twenty eight a game at a good percentage, and the Warriors are the sixth seed, fifth seed, Steph's going to be in that conversation. I think this is very related. Do you think they will be lower than the fifth seed or higher than the fifth seed? Or, you know, fifth or higher, lower, I should say. Lower. Lower. Yeah, I think I, I agree. So that puts him in danger. That puts him in danger. I think six and it's a stay out of conversation for the play-in tournament would be a success for them. And then you go from there. But if they're play-in tournament, that's not a success. And it probably means they're not good enough to, to advance anyway. And Steph wouldn't be in that. Like, to me, he can't win the MVP. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no question. We're talking, like, again, it's hard to figure it out what it would be. He'd have to be averaging 30 a game to do it. For they them. need to be yeah. like a 50-win team in an 82-game season. So whatever if that is. he's averaging 30 and everybody else is trash around him and they fall apart and Steph drags you know him to a seventh seed, then he's Russell, Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Yeah. No, or, or Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal averaged like 31 a game last year. People didn't even realize it. Okay. I mean, I think I know your answer on this then, guys. Do they win a round? That's matchup based. That's yeah, why that's, you got to get to six. Because if you are in seven, you're playing. And if you win the play in, you're probably against an LA team. Lakers. I mean, Lakers, that's just death right there. Clippers, you know. I, oh, no. He's at it again with the Clippers. I, I mean, they've got a little bit of fall apart potential. I expect better from them. They've made some good moves. I agree with you, Slater. The Canard move's a good one. But. Ibaka. Yeah, yeah. Ibaka is a good one. <laughs> I don't think. They no, they do not. They would get beat by the Clippers. Yeah, it's probably just too much wing, too much wing defense again with that so, team. So who's the, who we say if they're the six, who's the three? Yeah, that's gonna be the con- if, if it's Denver, Denver, I think Warriors would not Warriors would not mind that matchup. No, the yeah, wait, Warriors go in. Warriors if it's go Portland, in. if it's Portland, yeah, they would not mind that matchup. If it's no. Utah, they would not mind that. I mean, they're not gonna mind whoever's gonna be that three. They were if LA's one and two, they gotta be six though, and I'm not sure they're gonna be. But if they, they go got. against Utah, it's just we've got the best player by far in this series they're not going to be 
they're not going to be too intimidated by that. Um, not that these are determined by how intimidated teams are, but that's just, yeah, it, it's a, it's kind of a coin flip. And then again, you got to knock the Rockets out of this whole situation. I doubt they're getting back to the promised land. You'd think the Warriors would be near even to favored if it's the Blazers, if it's the Nuggets, Certainly, if the Rockets crawl in there, uh, if it's the Jazz, a lot, of, a lot of it will depend on what we know at the time. What is Wiseman? Where is Draymond? Yeah. Where's Wiseman? Has everybody stayed healthy? If they're a sixth seed and everybody's healthy and Wiseman's been good, they're going to be dangerous. They just are. I mean, they're, they're they're dangerous with Steph no matter what in any playoff series. They could win any playoff series, perhaps except against the Lakers because they got Steph. And rookies become different players. Where like Tyler Hero was not very good not to winning basketball early in his regular season where by the playoffs he like won oh, that was a whole, and that was a whole bubble that was a whole weird yeah everything yeah, was well, different yeah, in the bubble, yeah I, I wonder if you put those rookies might in be in a bubble of, again 20... <laughs> yeah it might be not a bubble might be a bubble by bubble by february i think that's a legit thing like you put that rookie in uh, an arena with twenty thousand people in it and in it's boston a diff- where he would have yeah. been playing nah 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 yeah. nah 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 yeah, that's yeah. Da, 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 the shipping up the Boston song, which the Warriors also weirdly play at the end of games, and every team does, but it only really works for the Celtics. Yeah, I think that's a different situation. I think that, but yeah, like like Anthony's saying, it might be a similar atmospheric. It's kind of like flip a coin uh, when it comes to them in the playoff matchups, based on what we know right now. Which is a good thing for them. Like you, you want to be the like like we're not saying flip a coin with Portland because we kind of know what Portland is. Maybe a little bit better with the Warriors. It's like hey, they might be do some they might be do some things here. So we'll see. We'll see. A little too optimistic maybe, but that's where I am. Quick hitters to end the podcast. Ubre or Wiggins? Who has a more impactful season for the Warriors? Quick. I'm going Ubre. Better fit. I'm going Wiggins. I think no, second unit scoring. I think he's being undervalued heading into regular season. He I can't think be undervalued does, at thirty million dollars. Well, <laughs> I, I mean reputationally. I mean reputationally. I would say he. Why I think he matters more is he is the king of the non-Curry minutes, and that is so important to their season. And he's got to do it. But yeah, if you're the king of the Curry minutes, non-Curry minutes, you better do something in a minute. Those might be minus yeah. 10 minutes. I know, exactly. If that's what happens, you're shooting 26% in those shots, that, that would be really bad. I think Ubre just brings a toughness, brings a, you know, kind of a commitment and a, you know, a fast break. All he'll just do more. All those things. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, you'll see stuff go, yeah, wow, that's, that, that's good stuff from him. And Wiggins is going to do stuff that you're going to go, wow, that's, that was a bad shot. You know, there's going to be nights like that. I just think Ubre has more potential. Wiggins has kind of settled into who he is for a long time. And Ubre has shown a track record of adding things and improving. And so based on that, I just see more potential for Ubre to make a leap next season than I do for Wiggins. All right. Michael Mulder or Damian Lee, who hits more threes for the Warriors this season? Wow, Damian. He's gonna play more. Damian Lee is ahead Tim's of him. I know Tim's answer. Yeah, yeah, Come on, yeah, Tim. I know, but uh, Tim wants to say Mulder. I know. He I know. Mulder's a better player. Here, <laughs> he's a Mulder better player. But look at the way Kerr played them in the preseason. It's just not. I mean, in his mind, it's not close. And Slater, you're on this call. When I asked him if who's your backup power forward with Draymond out, isn't it Kelly Oubre? Who did he say? Damian Lee. Damian Lee. Damian so, Lee. Anybody? Just anybody? Be, yeah, he's just anybody? one of those guys Lee. that like. Steve needs somebody he trusts, and he trusts Damian Lee. Now it's he's less dynamic from outside than Mulder. He doesn't, but I get some of what he's saying. So he's going to play more. Now Mulder might shoot himself into that role, but I'll just say 
he's Lee's going to have a larger role throughout the start of the season, so he's probably going to hit more threes than Mulder. Mulder might be the guy at the end, but Lee, Lee, Lee's going to be the guy now. I'm just going to go with the fact that Damian Lee has shot 36.5% from three as a warrior. <laughs> so I do think a little bit, like Mulder's obviously a better shooter than what he showed, but he's still got to make the shots. He actually look has in to make the shots. Look good in preseason. Yeah, he looked look great in preseason. I want to see him shoot better than 30% in the league. I want I want to see him do it, and then I feel a lot better about it. But I, I definitely think his upside is greater. But you're right; like Damian Lee will get will get the he will get the shots. They will be there. He'll get more minutes, which means he gets more threes. And he's going to get minutes with Steph, which is going to create more open shots. The question of the podcast, the one we've been waiting for: <laughs> Who will hit? Who will hit more career threes in a Warriors uniform, Alan Smilagic or Justinian Jessup? Oh, go ahead, Ethan. Ethan, Ethan this is to you. Justinian Jessup. And frankly, I wonder if they might look into trying to call him up just because they have such oh, a need. Oh, my. Well, they have such a need. I've been asking, I've been asking, okay, how does this work? How can you do it? It would take a few weeks. They have a need. They have a need uh, for shooting. And... Most second rounders, you can't really depend on them to give you any value, but maybe it's just worth it to have a guy that you have to run out and guard. And through at least two NBL games, he's killing. And the NBL competition's not as good. Well, he should be guarding Durant tomorrow night, then. <laughs> get him out Get him out here. And you know, have Durant have to guard him. There's yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Durant guard him. Yeah, can't guard the, the stretch for Justinian. <laughs> He's bigger than people think. He's six foot seven. He's pretty. Uh, I don't know if he's long, but he's six seven. Uh, and man, just killing in those first two games. I saw this stuff and I looked at the highlights and I go, yeah, that's interesting. Left-handed, another lefty, by the way. And then also, then I went, wait a minute, this isn't just NBL. This is NBL preseason games now. We're, we're, we're signing say, this value to. Say, like, this hey. isn't even a real game. This is a NBL. Ethan's game. hitting up like, hey, can you get him in the rotation? This is like watching Smile Geach's pregame warm-ups. Like, oh, wow, this is something here. Like, you don't I understand in we, uh, preseason Illawarra, <laughs> the Illawarra Hawks. Here's my take on that. It's like Summer League. It's like this preseason. It's better to play well than to play bad. No question. No question. And just to look like you belong on the court. Yeah, he looks like he belongs on the court. Is he the Australian Casey Jacobson? What is he? I don't, I don't even know what he... Uh, <laughs> I, he looked like the Australian Manu Ginobili with those highlights. But I would oh, say... Oh, my goodness. My but goodness. I would say... For the NBL. You know, for the NBL. But I would say this. I think that that type of player, the off-ball shooter over the last half decade or so has been undervalued, overlooked in drafts because people don't want a guy who's just a shooter until they need shooting. And then you see Joe Harris getting $72 million. And you can find a lot of these guys uh, who weren't thought of as dynamic players and who were overlooked. And then they made an impact in the rotation because because teams go through what the Warriors are going through right now, where you have all these ideas and you want to run and you want to play defense and you want to swarm, and then you swing the ball around a few possessions and it's clank, 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 and it's, oh my God, we need some shooting, which is why these guys uh, end up finding a place in the league. I might be too soon for old Jessup. They might want the game plan of him learning as a draft and stash. There's a lot of respect for that coach of the Illawarra Hawks out there and there's some thought as to how Jessup can learn from him over a season. But, you know, the Warriors have a hole to plug. And he fits that better than the uh, the immortal Alan Smiley. Can we wait till he plays a, reg- a regular season game? <laughs> Smiley has made three three-pointers as a Warrior, right? He's made he's three for 13. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he, he will make more career threes because 
Justinian Jessup will never play for the Warriors. Wow. 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 Ethan's got him in the rotation in the playoffs, and Marcus is never going to One of two things will happen. Either he will, it will, it will be all like preseason hype, and he won't be that good, actually. Or they'll trade him for Ben Simmons. Like, who knows? <laughs> He'll be the perfect guy you could throw into another deal. Like, he's not going to play for the Warriors. Malagich is a central piece in that one. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Marcus on this, even though I'm not very high on Malagich. I'm just going with the NBL preseason. Can we get to an NBL regular season game before we start talking about him playing for the Warriors? All right, what we've learned, what we've learned. Smiley Geach out, Jessup in for Ethan. <laughs> We're over 60 minutes on the podcast. The season is starting Tuesday. Slaker's got to go to a Slaker Slaker. Podcast. Slaker. I will see you Slaker's guys later. Third person in. <laughs> yeah, all right. See you guys. <laughs>